BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome to the end of the season podcast. Uh, this is the Sixer Sense Podcast, of course, with Lucas. I'm Lucas, and then I got Chris here, and Uriah's here as well. We're going to talk about awards today, guys, so let's just go ahead and jump into it. I hope you guys had a great weekend, had a great weekend with my daughter, but let's go ahead and jump into it. Are you guys ready for this? Let's do it. All right, cool. So we're going to jump into it. We're going to first start with our Sixers Awards, like the awards that we give to particular Sixers. We are recording this at the end of the Orlando game, the last game of the regular season. The Sixers are up 24 to 112 with a minute left to go. The first one that we're going to do is most improved player. So, Chris, who do you have? I think at the end of the day, you got to give it to Joel. He's a guy who had... Not his best season last year. The Sixers were obviously the sixth seed. He comes in this year rejuvenated in the best shape of his life, doing it on both ends, keeping his elite defense and adding in his most efficient offensive season, doing it at all three levels. We've talked about on this podcast all the different moves he's added to his game, the Kobe stuff, the Dirk Nowitzki stuff, and he's reading double teams and handling difficult post matchups better than ever. I think at the end of the day, even though guys like Bias and maybe even Tyrese Maxey, frankly, deserve you know some consideration, uh, I think the award goes to Joel. I think I'm going to give this award to Furkan Korkmaz. And I think last year he had a, a, a really good year considering some of the drama surrounding his name and inconsistent play early in his career. But I think he took his game to a different level this year. He's more reliable. He's more confident, and I think as part of the bench piece based on what the offense is like when he's on the floor with the second unit, he's a key component to what what we're trying to do from here on out. So I'm going to give it to Furkan for stepping up and, and being a more consistent shooter this season. 
So it's funny. I actually had first I had Maxi on this because I thought what you what you said, Chris, because he made some major strides within the season. Then I thought about Corkmaz, and I have Corkmaz on another award here. I decided to keep him off of this, and I actually went with somebody that neither one of you guys uh, talked about here, and I went with Matisse Thibault. And the reason was, yes, we knew Thibault was going to be good defensively. He showed flashes last year, but he really didn't have the mental approach ready for the NBA. This season, we saw the mental growth of his defensive game go to where now he's a legit candidate for all-defensive team. And was even on the watch for, you know, Defensive Player of the Year at one point in this season. So my guy is easy. is Matisse Thibel. Yes, his offensive numbers haven't improved. Actually, they've gotten worse in some respects. And But as the season progressed, he got a little bit better. He was coming off a bad injury to start the year. So more than understandable that he had a slow start. However, that defense, this just the new level. He's on that, you know, Chris recently wrote an article how he's the argument for first-team all-defensive team. It's a legit argument to be made. All right, so let's go ahead and switch over to our biggest surprise this year. Chris, who was your biggest surprise? Um, I mean, I think for me it was bias because he was just so flat and uninspiring last season. He was probably the biggest disappointment I would say of all the players on the roster last year especially with how the playoffs ended I think a lot of us anticipated some improvement with that coming in but the degree to which he improved even with a slight you know downturn at the end of the season was it's pretty remarkable you know extremely efficient from the floor probably his best holistic offensive season to date really improved on the defensive end as well has been an essential part of the half-court offense and, and, and he looks like someone who can play really big, important minutes in the playoffs, which wasn't the case last season. The most surprising player for me has to be Dwight Howard. I guess for so many years, he used to demolish the Sixers, especially with Orlando. I, I just hated his guts. And then he finally came to our team, brought a really great attitude, wonderful personality, good locker room guy, hyping everyone up before the game and being a big supporter on the bench and then giving really productive minutes between his rebounds and scoring. So I'm going to give it to, to Dwight Howard. And I, I hope the playoffs get what the Lakers got last year is that close to prime Howard, where he just really protects the paint, gives you some nice offensive rebounds. I wish he had a better touch around the rim. You would think he'd be better <laughs> putting back shots uh, close, so close to rim. But anyway, I, I think he's, the biggest surprise for me, if I were to pick. Great choices. I didn't even consider Dwight. So that's a solid choice there, Uriah, for sure. Um, for me personally, I actually went with Forkon Korkmaz. I think we all knew that he was going to be a good shooter. I wasn't sure if he was going to be able to stay in the rotation because he wasn't a two-way player. And there was one point in the season that he got pulled because of that. But just the um, just the overall recent... Um, play by him has really shown me that he's not just an offensive player. He's actually trying on the defensive end and he's the most confident shooter on this team right now, which says something to me. And I think that that's the biggest surprise to me that not only, especially with, you know, you have Seth Curry, you have Danny Green, but he will just let it fly whenever he does not care. So that's the biggest surprise to me for sure. Now, let me ask you guys this. Who would be your biggest disappointment? Chris, go ahead. I think 
we may or may not be in line on this. I, I think it's pretty clearly shake. I think we all had really big, you know, expectation for him coming into the year. The way he finished last season as part of the starting five, he had, you know, big games like that 39 point game against the Clippers and against Doc. Doc hyped him up a ton before the season. And he has had more than enough opportunities to really prove himself and take that next step into, you know, starter level territory. And he just hasn't done it. He's been pretty inconsistent and all over the place this year. The defense is still pretty poor. The shooting has been less efficient overall. He he hasn't really grown as a playmaker or a passer. A lot of the problems that that plagued him in moments last season have been far more troublesome this year. Um, I mean, frankly, Tyrese Maxey has outplayed him the last third of the season, basically. So uh, I I think the answer is Shake Milton, just because he hasn't really lived up to to the hype that was set upon him after last season. Fair or not, but I, I think it's Shake. I'm going to go with Ben Simmons. And I know... Hey, hang on, Uriah. I got to pause you here before we continue, because Chris... It has been official. You have won the fantasy football, uh, fantasy basketball league this season. Congratulations, Matt Khalil, uh, one of our contributors, what? just posted he conceded and he wished what? you congratulations. Yep. You interrupted me for that. <laughs> oh, sorry, M-G. sorry. It makes it makes it, it makes for good content, Uriah. Man. It make it makes good content, Uriah. You know. I thought you were gonna say something about Joel Embiid's medallion around his neck or something. No, no, no. It's his flavor flav necklace. One and two. Can any of y'all beat me? Is it possible? I. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna have a better draft next year. That's what's gonna happen. Uh huh. That's what you should have uh-huh. last season. I can't explain last season, but this season, yeah, yeah, it was a dumpster fire for me. The biggest, dis- the biggest disappointment in our fantasy basketball league is that Chris somehow swindled one of the contributors from the website. I don't know if he bribed him with something, but but yeah, all those trades that he got all those players. But anyway, yeah. So as I was saying, my biggest disappointment is Ben Simmons. Just hear me out. Yes, I know he's the best defender in the NBA. No duh. Not going to take that away from Ben. But I look at players like Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson. I look at players like Kobe Bryant, players that not only have the talent and the size and the mentality to take their game to an all NBA historic level, but players who produced and came through in the clutch on both sides of the ball. And I know Everyone said, oh, he doesn't need to shoot. Yeah, I guess you could say that. But not only did his scoring go down, but his assists went down. So I'm just looking at Ben to take it to the next level. Congratulations. He'll be defensive player of the year. But he's my biggest disappointment because he did not elevate his game on the offensive end. Breaking news, Sixers fans. This public service announcement is brought to you by Manscaped.com. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer. Their advanced ceramic blade and skin-safe technology is so good that it almost seems as if Manscaped work with Elon Musk's engineers to ensure that your family jewels are as safe as possible. What makes this trimmer so different than other trimmers? First, a new multi-function on-off switch can engage a travel lock created for people who like to travel. Next, the optimized Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer is waterproof, so you can groom in the shower and not have to worry about making a mess on the bathroom floor. Did I mention charging? 
The Lawnmower 4.0's new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last longer. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. And now, back to the podcast. So Uriah, originally I had had th- had Ben Simmons at this spot too, but then I thought about it more and I decided to go with Shake Milton. And this is why. It was year three. Ben Simmons hadn't made any progression. We kind of knew what we were getting from Ben. We would have hoped that there was something different. But based on that Jack McMullen piece from last year, which we've referenced a thousand times on this podcast already, it didn't really see, feel like it was coming this year. So... But Shake Milton coming in hot last year, playing his out of his mind, we thought, oh, well, Shake Milton, he's going to be that next step. He could be that third star. Didn't happen. And the big stat that really stuck out to me, Chris, and you you didn't really touch on it too much, is his three-point shooting. This season, he shot 34.5% from the three-point line, uh, disregarding this last game because I, I got the stat before the game was over. But... Still, um, that's not, you know, over 40% that he was shooting last year. Uh, last year is looking more and more like a fluke. He could be a guy that you can, I don't think he's a bona fide sixth man for a contender moving forward. I think he's a good rotational guy that could come in. He could be, you know, he could go off for 20 points at any given time, but he could also go off for eight or nine points at any given time. Uh, just the lack of athleticism. And explosion has really hampered his game at this level from him being a consistent scoring threat, especially when the outside shot isn't falling like it was this year. Um, so that's that's why I have Shake Milton as my biggest disappointment. Though Uriah, you did make some good points, you know, but I think at this point we kind of saw this coming from Ben. We didn't see it. You know, I think the bigger surprise was Shake Milton coming back down to earth with that three-point shooting and lack of consistency versus Ben not taking that next step to superstardom. That that that's where I that's where my train of thought went anyway. All right, so we're gonna keep on moving then, and I think we're all probably gonna be on the same page on this one. But who's the team's best defender? Chris, go ahead. So I have spent the last two days secluded in the wilderness of the Great Smoky Mountains in Tennessee. With no cell service, deep in thought, I have emerged with a certain clarity that I didn't have before. I've thought hard about this. This isn't who deserves to be higher on the defensive player of the year ladder. This isn't who's played the most minutes. This is who was the best individual defender in his time on the floor this season on the Sixers. So with that, I'm going to give my vote to Matisse Thibel. We'll talk about him more later in the pod. Whoa! I okay. Matisse takes. This is one for Uriah, but I think we all understand how special Matisse has been this year. He's a, a freak of nature, truly. Chris, I hate it when we agree on something, but great minds think alike in this case. Of course, I'm going to go with Matisse Thibel. The first month of his rookie season... I looked at him and the eyeball test told me this kid is going to be defensive player of the year one day. And I stick by that. I think he'll make the second 
all NBA defensive team. We'll get to that later, like you said, Lucas. Um, but I, I really saw this coming. I really did. From his rookie year, he took a, a leap. He learned. He took whatever experience he had in his first season, and he applied it to this season. And as a result, he had astronomical numbers on the defensive end and steals and blocks. He's setting all types of records, and he's still only, what, 22, 23 years old. So the Sixers, they got to steal with him a bright future for Matisse Thybul. First off, Boston feels pretty stupid about that trade now, huh? And uh, secondly, uh, wow, I did not think I was going to be the lone Ben Simmons guy on this. But yeah, I am. I I mean, as great as Thibel has been, you know, he's still developing his defensive IQ, which is crazy to think about. Whereas Ben has been in the league for much longer. He's he's very rarely lost one-on-one matchups. Not to say that Thibel hasn't, you know, but he's been defending like the team's second best player. Or best player, whereas Ben's always guarding the best player. I just, I got to give it to Ben because I have, and you know, I have him in my top three for defensive player of the year. You'll find out when later in the podcast. I'm not playing spoilers. I just, I mean, Thibel could be that way in the next year or two, which is crazy to think about that he could be a better defender than Ben. But right now I'm going to give it to Ben. That, that, that's just where I stand, but I did, really did not think that I was going to be the... I thought we were all going to be unanimous, Ben, here, but okay. I think we'll all be unanimous on this next one here. Who's the most clutch player on this roster? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I think and hope it's unanimous. It, it, it's Joel Embiid. Um, he's had some true star-making superstar performances this year, MVP-type performances where he has just taken over games and put the Sixers on his back time and time again. This offense is still by no means perfect, but Embiid has still managed to have one of the most efficient, high-usage offensive seasons imaginable. He has done it at all three levels, and he has done it quite consistently in close games when the Sixers have needed it most. I think that's been one of his biggest improvements since last season, frankly, is his ability to show up late in games and to be there when the Sixers need him to be there every time. So, you know, Tobias has had his moments. Furkan has his, like, one shot a year. But I I think the answer is Joel. I am torn, guys, because as much as I want to say Joel, something about me thinks that Tobias has just a more reliable uh, upside to having the ball in his hands with the shot clock running down. Embiid, I still think, might be a little turnover prone. And I know that he hit a big shot against Utah. I know he hit a big shot against the Pacers, uh, a big shot against Atlanta, I think, uh, at the beginning of the season. I'm torn. I I give the slight, slight, I mean, sliver, slight edge to Tobias. I'm just going to go against the grain here and say Tobias is the most clutch player. And we're going to go ahead to the last – you know, we're talking about shooting, so we're going to go to our last award here. Guys, who do you think is the best shooter on this team? You know, I, I hope we don't overthink this because this we, we've knocked, you know, this player on this podcast many times before. But Seth Curry has, I believe, the second highest three-point percentage in, like, NBA history behind Steve Kerr. He, he's like a 45% career shooter from deep. He, maybe he doesn't shoot it as often as we would like, but I, I think this is a pretty clear cut winner like this should be if anything our one unanimous pick like Furkan's great Danny Green's great Isaiah Joe 
is, is coming up, but uh, it's it's Seth Curry. He, like the numbers just do not lie in this situation. I, I think it's a pretty clear winner here. And the best shooter for the Sixers for me this year goes to no one other than Mike Scott. You try to be I'm funny, joking, guys. Yeah, yeah you keep, guys keep, keep, joking, keep, guys. keep keep to your daytime <laughs> job. Don't try to stand up. <laughs> Don't do it. So the best shooter, Chris. You're right. I'm not going to overthink it. It's Seth Curry. When his shot is wet, he is could be the third splash brother if he ever went to Golden State or if his brother came to the Sixers. I called that a couple of months ago. I, I think that Steph Curry is going to be a Sixer one day, but I digress. Yeah, we got to go with Seth Curry, best shooter. Well, I did overthink it, guys. It's Danny Green, and here's why. The best shooter is not only the guy that has the highest percentage, but also the most willing to shoot. And in my mind, I just, I got to go with, I like you got, like we said, we wish Seth would shoot more. And he need, if he shoots more, the Sixers have a higher chance of winning games. Let's let's be real. So until he does it more, I'm I I got I mean, yeah, pure shooting numbers, yes, Curry has it, but the best shooter includes people that are willing to shoot more. It's it's Danny Green. So that's that's where I'm at on this. Hate me if you must. All right, so everyone, those were the awards that we gave to each Sixer this year. We didn't put MVP on there because clearly Joel Embiid is going to be the MVP. Well, we'll get to that, Chris. He should be MVP of the league, but he's clearly the MVP for the Sixers. So what we're going to do right now is shift gears from Sixer Awards and go to NBA regular season awards. What we're going to do is we'll go to Lucas and Chris. I'm just going to be the moderator here. You guys go back and forth. And let's start with rookies. These players who came in straight out of college during a COVID year. I'm sure it was really tough for them. But nevertheless, we got to pick five for the all-rookie second team and five for all-rookie first team. So we'll go with Chris first. Give us your all-rookie second team. I got Isaiah Stewart from the Detroit Pistons, Jaden McDaniels from the Minnesota Timberwolves, Patrick Williams from the Chicago Bulls, Desmond Bain from the Memphis Grizzlies, and Isaac Okoro. Okay. Not bad, Chris. Okay. I had to think about this a little bit because remember this is positionless for all rookie teams. So I had four shore ends and then my fifth one is a three-way tie. So I'm going to do with my four shore ends first. Emmanuel Quickly, Tyrese Maxey, Jay Sean Tate, and Isaiah Stewart. My three-way tie for fifth is Peyton Pritchard, Theo Maldon, and Chris, your favorite guy. Alexei Pokushevsky. All right, let's go first team, Chris. So I have Lamella Ball, Tyrese Halliburton, and Anthony Edwards, which I think are the, the kind of shoe-ins here. Then I rounded it out with Sadiq Bey and Jason Tate from Houston. Okay, so we only had one discrepancy there. I have Lamella Ball, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton, Sadiq Bey, and Cole Anthony was my fifth guy, actually. LaMelo is what uh, Ben Simmons could be if he actually shot the ball. Anthony Edwards looks like he could be the next coming of D. Wade. Tyrese Halliburton could, looks like he could be a franchise point guard. Cole Anthony is either a starter or elite six man. And Sadiq Bey, I think, 
has all-star potential. Based on how the game's currently played, he could be an all-star in the future. I don't think that's out of the question. Now we've talked about the NBA rookies. Now we're going to talk about the best defensive teams in the entire NBA. Of course, there is all-defensive second team, and there's all-defensive first team. Chris, who's your second team all-defense? All right, so I had some tough cuts here. Uh, shout out to Mikhail Bridges, who did not make it. But my all-defensive second team is Drew Holiday, Jimmy Butler, Draymond Green, Joel Embiid, and Clint Capella. Hmm, okay, okay. Uh, I did include a uh, Suns player on mine, but it was not Mikhail Bridges. For my second team, I have Chris Paul, Matisse Thibel, Kawhi Leonard, Jimmy Butler, and former Sixer New Orleans Noel. He's been anchoring that Knicks defense, which is the best in the league. And I think he, and his stats are not are pretty good defensively, too, He's especially the advanced stats. So you have to give Noel and the Knicks some love here. So he, he's on there for me. All NBA first team, Chris, who made the top five? Rudy Gobert, Bam Adebayo, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Ben Simmons, and Matisse Thybulle. All right, all right. You have a lot of centers in yours. I'm I'm kind of surprised. I I wasn't sure if we were allowed to do multiple centers. I don't know. I just decided not to. For me, I had Ben Simmons, Drew Holiday, Giannis, Draymond Green, and Rudy Gobert. So no Joel Embiid in either one of my first teams, which was hard because he would have gotten second team if it wasn't for Noel. So let's let's get those lists ready. And Chris will go with the All NBA third team. Some more tough cuts for this one. We might have to debate a few, but my third team is James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Paul George, Jason Tatum, and Bam Adebayo. Now, see, uh, yeah, we're going to debate this because I don't think James Harden, I mean, he's he's missed a lot of games. And then on top of that, that play that he, that, that horrendous like half effort that he put out in Houston, nah, he doesn't get it for me. He doesn't the injuries plus the, the horrendous start in Houston. I mean, I know he was great, but I mean he played barely forty games this year, which in a shortened season matters even more. So that he's off my All NBA team for that. And I, I it was actually really hard because I almost put Kyrie on here, but for me it was Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Rudy Gobert. I'm surprised you put Russ over him. I I know Westbrook has been off the charts with the triple doubles the second half of the year. Washington. Oh, he's ball, he's, a, he's an All NBA player, but he's not on my third team. I'll say on the James Harden note. Um, I I know games missed is is a biggie. That's why he's third team. He would have been first team if he had played all year. But um, he was pretty clearly the most important player on the best offensive team we've seen in a while. Um, you know, even like the Houston stuff, him sandbagging it is still a, a top 10 player in the NBA. So it, it's tough. It's, it's, it's tough for me to knock him too hard. A second and go. Chris Paul. Um, and <laughs> as, as well as Damian Lillard, Julius Randall, Kawhi Leonard and Rudy Gobert. Okay. So, my second team is Luka Doncic, Bradley Beal, Zion, Kawhi Leonard, and Julius Randle. Interesting. I, I really 
struggled to keep Zion off my third team. I just don't know if there was a spot. I, I had to give it to Paul George because I, the- I think what he's done, I it's hard for me to ignore. I mean, he's the most dominant interior player since Shaq, I including Joel. So and he can play make. So I yeah. mean He's basically a point guard now. Uh, that's how they're treating him in New Orleans, which imagine a six, seven, two hundred and plus pound player playing point guard. That's... I agree. I, I think Zion's going to be in the MVP conversation in like a year or two. He's heading in that direction. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to disrespect him. Here's what I think everybody wants to hear. Who are your top five players by position in the NBA this season, Chris? Yep. So my All-NBA first team is Stephen Curry, Luka Doncic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, and Nikola Jokic. So mine is very similar. I have Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, Giannis, Joel Embiid, and Nikola Jokic. So Chris, let's go with our top three rookies of the year. Go for it. All right. I, I feel like this should be pretty... Much a consensus for most people. I have Tyrese Halliburton of Sacramento at number three. Just a really solid all-around winning player who, who really helped the Kings for stretches this year. Was their second best player on the floor in a lot of games. Um, I have Edwards uh, from Minnesota at number two. He's gone nuclear after the All-Star break. Clearly one of the brighter futures um, in the NBA. He's going to be really special there for a long time to come. A fellow UGA Bulldog, so shout out to him. Um, but my number one is LaMelo Ball, who I, I think has been like the the rookie this year, the rookie that has had the biggest impact on a team that is sort of in the playoff conversation. They're going to be in the play-in tournament. They fell a little bit, mainly because he got hurt, but when I look back on this season, the rookie who, who really defines it for me is LaMelo. So I, I think he's my pick. So, yeah, I have the exact same order. Tyrese at number three, Edwards at number two, LaMelo at number one. Just some stats for our listeners. LaMelo averaged 15 points, almost six rebounds and six assists. Anthony Edwards had 19 points on inefficient shooting, granted, but 19 points. And Halliburton averaged 13 points, five assists on 40% shooting from deep. Like I said earlier, I think LaMelo could be what Ben could be on offense if Ben actually was interested in shooting. Obviously, Ben's a better defensive player by far. Edwards, I like I said, I, I see a lot of you know young D-Wade in him. Uh, he needs to improve his shot selection and needs to improve defensively. But the you know scoring-wise, he is there. I mean, he can go off for any... He can go off on any given night. I think he could be the best... I think in a couple years, if he keeps on developing in a positive way, he could be better than Carl Anthony Towns, which is good for Minnesota because they need Towns to be the second best player on that team if they're going to be a playoff team. Tyrese Halliburton, I think any team would love to have him as a point guard of the future. I'm sure the Suns are probably kicking themselves right now for drafting Jalen Smith or the Knicks for drafting Obi Toppin over you know Halliburton. I think those franchises are probably kicking themselves. So yeah, that's, those are my thoughts on it. All right, guys, let's go to the most improved player. Uh, several players made a huge jump in production and overall play this year. It's up to you guys to figure out who are the top three. Chris? At number three, I have Jeremy Grant from Detroit. And at number two, I have Christian Wood from Houston, both former Sixers. 
And at number one, which I, I think is pretty much the consensus at this point, I have Julius Randle, who you know, is averaging 22, 10, and 6, has been the you know the centripetal force for a Knicks offense. He's also become an above-average defender. And let me go through my list, but before I you know, say the, the second and third place, yes, I have Julius Randle, number one. I think that's an easy one. He's definitely improved as a defender as well, along with all the other things that you said. He's a real leader. He has that he he uh, he said in multiple interviews that he's developed the Mamba mentality from Kobe when he played as a, a member of the Lakers. That being said, my number two was Jeremy Grant, and my number three was actually Jalen Brown. And here's the reason why: I knew for a long time that Christian Wood was going to be good. He just needed an opportunity. He finally got it in Houston. I'm so happy for him. That's not really improvement. That's just getting an opportunity, which I had to, you know, consider in this. Whereas Jalen Brown showed actual improvement as a playmaker, as a go-to scorer. And I think that's, I mean, now he's averaging 24 points per game over 20 versus 20 points last season. I mean, he take the jump into all-star and uh, I mean, he, he was on my all third team, all NBA team. Uh, and honestly, at certain points of the season, he looked like a better player than Jason Tatum, in my opinion. So that's that's where I have it. Yeah, let's do Coach of the Year, guys. Give us your top three coaches, starting with Chris. Alrighty, at number three, I have Tom Thibodeau from New York. Um, obviously, the Knicks are, are the four seed, again, with a roster that doesn't really make sense. He's clearly tapped into something with Julius Randle that no one else has been able to tap into. The Knicks have improved across the board. They're one of the best, if not the best, defensive teams in the league. R.J. Barrett has come a long way as well. And Tom deserves a lot of credit for what he's done with that team. I've been fairly pessimistic about Thibodeau as an NBA coach in this day and age. So he's certainly proved me wrong. And I think he deserves a lot of credit. My number two is Doc Rivers, who we've talked about obviously many times on this podcast. But my number one is Monty Williams from Phoenix. Again, from 10 years out of the playoffs to the second best record in the NBA. Obviously, Chris Paul deserves a ton of credit, but Monty has done a great job building that culture there. It was not a great locker room environment a couple seasons ago before he got there. He has really turned that organization around as a whole. He's done a lot of work from the bench up, and I think he's my pick. So I have the same, three same coaches, but in a different order. I have Doc Rivers number three for all the reasons that you said. You know, he was able to bring the Sixers culture. Uh, you know, bring the best out of the certain players like Joel offensively, Ben defensively, Matisse defensively. You know, he has the players in their proper roles, and they brought he brought the team from being the sixth seed to the one seed and making Joel and Ben look like a great duo versus Brett uh, Brown making them look like they don't look. Like they could play together. Um, I have Monty Williams number two. And while Williams has done a great job in terms of, you know, you know, developing young players like Mikel Bridges, like, uh, well, actually, I don't, I'm not not even sure if I could put Aiden in that category, but definitely Mikel Bridges. um, And, you know, reuniting with Chris Paul. I think Chris Paul is the biggest factor here. And it was really hard for me to keep him off my MVP candidate because I think, like you, he would be my sixth candidate. But, yeah, so I, I have Monty as my number two. And then my number one is Tom Thibodeau. 
Yes, the Knicks and the Suns were in similar places, but the Suns have two legit all-stars in Chris Paul and uh, CP3. I mean, Chris Paul and um, Devin Booker, who were who have shown to be to play at an all-star level for multiple years in the past. Whereas Julius Randle literally came out of nowhere. He willed that team. He, you know, him and Thibodeau definitely have an identity. The Knicks were the laughing stock of the NBA. Um, hadn't won a playoff, hadn't been to the playoffs since Carmelo took them in 2012-13 season. New culture there. He's a big reason why. Obviously, the front office is doing a great job, too. Can't deny that with uh, Deion Rose and, uh, no, Leon Rose, my mistake. Leon Rose and William Wild West. But I think just how he's gotten those players to buy in on the defensive side, we don't see that in today's modern NBA. Not to that level. Not with the lack of defensive elite players that they don't have. They don't have an elite defensive player outside of maybe Mitchell Robinson, who's been hurt for most of the season. New Orleans Noel was good, but we didn't expect to see this from him this year, for sure. Julius Randle was never known as a plus defender. R.J. Barrett has becoming is becoming a two-way star who could make an all-defensive team in the future. And he was able to revitalize Derrick Rose, too, which Derrick Rose will show up on one of my lists here. I won't say which one, but he will show up on one of them. Um, so, yeah, my pick is Tom Thibodeau. I think what he's done with the Knicks, turning them into a respectable team, who I think we can all say we still thought they were going to be out of the playoffs, whereas the, the Suns, we thought they were going to be like a five or six seed. Yeah, no, I think what Thibodeau has done is more impressive. Okay, good job, guys. Let's move on to the sixth man of the year. Chris, who are you going with? I will say before I read my list, I had a tough time keeping Matisse off. I, I think what he's done on defense is uh, extremely impressive, and that that put him in, on my short list. Uh, also, I, I, I wasn't going to put two Utah players on the list, so if that is my one big omission, just know I wasn't going to put Oh, I know who the second one you were going to put on, but you didn't. I can already. I'm can I? Can gonna, I guess? Can no, I guess? Real, fine. Yes. It, was it? Was it? Uh, old man Joe Ingles. Uh, n- well, let me read my list. So number three, I have T.J. McConnell. Okay. Love me. Okay. Dad, has been an extremely okay. important facilitator for that Pacers offense. Granted, it hasn't All been right. the best offense in the league this year, but some of the numbers he's been able to put up, he, he frankly could be a very, very fringe most improved player candidate. Okay. He's gone from a guy who I wasn't sure would last on another team to someone who's probably going to get a pretty nice next contract. Uh, my number two, a bit of an oddball candidate maybe, but it's Thad Young from Chicago. Just a really, huh. really great all-around player who I, I, I quite appreciate. And my number one is Joe Ingles. So oh. I'm leaving Jordan Clarkson off the list. Whoa, okay. He's a, a really tremendous wing defender, playmaker as he stood, has has been small forward, shooting guard, point guard, done a lot of different things offensively for the best team in the NBA record-wise in Utah. I'm giving it to Joe. I think he's much better than Jordan Clarkson and much more important to that team's success. Uh, Clarkson can, can put up points in bunches, and he, he's certainly not a bad player, but he, he is prone to taking over the offense at inappropriate times and doing things that don't really benefit Utah as much as Maybe that's what, you know, the plain scorecard might suggest. TJ McConnell, I love the pick. I like it. Um, he wouldn't be on my top three, but top five, fair. Thad Young, top ten, 
maybe not top five, but yeah, no, it's it's a fair point. I didn't even think of Thad Young to be honest with you, but he's not a bad six man. Joe Ingles. Now, in a normal NBA season, I believe the six man of the year uh, when you disqualify for the award because I had to look this up because. I was talking about Lou Williams, I think, before the beginning of the year when we did this. Um, I think the cutoff is 23 games. So, by that standard, Joe Ingles would not qualify in a normal NBA season. I have to double-check that, though. I'm not 100% sure. However, um, so my top three. Number three, I have Mello. And not, no, not La Mello. I'm talking about Carmelo Anthony. He's averaging 13 points on 40% shooting from deep, has hit some clutch shots for the uh, Pacers, I mean Blazers, Portland Trail Blazers. He's been one of the few consistent weapons that Damian has been able to, uh, Damian Lillard has been able to rely on this season. And uh, he's really found his notch as that team's sixth man coming in at either forward spot, just depending on, you know, who they sub out first, first whether it be uh Norman Powell or Robert Covington, he's been a he's been that third go-to scorer for that team this year, and I think that he needs to get some love and some credit for that. Um, my second one is Derek Rose. Now he's missed a lot of games, and I don't usually give this to guys that miss a lot of games. However, think about it like this, Chris: he's averaging 14 points, four assists on 38 percent shooting from deep. That's, I believe, a career high for Rose, if not one of the best shooting seasons of his career. Um, and then get this crazy stat: when he's on the he, when he's played for the Knicks, the Knicks are twenty four and eleven this season. That's insane. He's made the difference for that team this year. Before then, they were kind of like meddling in mediocrity around like five hundred. They were like in the play in situation. But once he joined that team, now he's a now they're they're uh, the number four seed. I, I, you know, it can't be ignored. And for my number one, though, I'm going to have to go with Jordan Clarkson because he does score the most points, uh, most bench points in, you know, among any bench scorer in the NBA on the best team. And usually that's the guy that usually gets it. It's not always fair, but that's who usually gets it. I mean, ask Lou Williams, ask Jamal Crawford. It's going to happen for Jordan Clarkson this year. I mean, the talk's all there, so I think it's going to be Jordan Clarkson, though. My personal pick, I think D. Rose is probably more deserving, but I, I think Jordan Clarkson will just get it based off of popularity and based off his stats. That's that's where I'm at. So let's go with the Defensive Player of the Year. Give us your top three, Chris. Well, at three, I have Giannis Antetokounmpo of the Milwaukee Bucks. At number two, I have Ben Simmons. And at number one... There's a great piece on 538 today breaking down how Gobert's season stands among the most impressive individual defensive campaigns ever. He's number one. I think it's pretty clear. I'm sure you'll disagree, Lucas, but Gobert's my number one. Oh, you know I'll disagree. But let's go ahead and get into mine real quick. Draymond Green's my number three. He has anchored that otherwise shabby Golden State Warriors defense. Um, He's very versatile as well. I have no problem there. Rudy Gobert is my number two. And Ben Simmons is my number one. I've made the case multiple times. Ben Simmons is the most versatile defender. And Rudy Gobert is the best interior team defender. Ben Simmons barely loses his individual matchups. Whereas Gobert loses them more often than Ben does. So that's why I have Ben number one. Okay. And for the top award in the entire NBA. 
which player stood out the most. We're talking about the MVP, most valuable player. Chris, give us your top three. Oh, God. Um, well, my number three is Seth Curry, who's having one of his best seasons, an all-time great player. Number two is Joel, and number one is Nikola Jokic. We've hashed this out on the podcast before, but it, it, it's Jokic for me. I'm comfortable with that. Chris, believe it or not, we actually agree here, but probably not for the same reasons. Steph Curry, I think he would be number two on my list if the Warriors were a top six team in the West. Joel Embiid's number two, and that's only because he's missed 20 games, 21 games now this season. The final, and then Jokic, like I said, he only gets this because Joel Embiid kind of let off the gas and missed enough games this season that make me think, okay, it's Jokic. All right, guys. So there we go for all of our NBA awards and Sixer awards. And right now we're going to go to the Sixer Sense followers, the social media question of the week, which was a little reflective moment for everyone. What have you enjoyed the most about the Sixers this season? We'll go with Twitter first. We have B-Ball Paul Buffano at 41 Jebby 33 And this person said that they enjoyed Dwight Howard is up there for me. Surprisingly, he became an on and off the court leader by being energetic, passionate, and an all-around good person. If we go to Facebook, we have Jennifer Green. And what she enjoyed most about the Sixers this year, and she gave a nice list here. She said, watching JoJo dominate the evolution of Matisse's game, Ben's fast breaks, the games when Danny and Seth had it going, watching the Rook score 39, watching Embiid score 50, Benny getting 42 on Gobert, and Dwight Howard all day long. So, Lucas, let's go to you first, man. What did you enjoy watching the Sixers this year? What I enjoyed is seeing the reemergence of the post player and the dominant big man and Joel Embiid. We haven't seen this since Shaq or Tim Duncan to a lesser extent because Tim was technically a power forward for most of his career. We haven't seen a post-dominant player like this since Shaq at the center position, though Zion is making a name for himself as well, obviously, but he's not a center. He's a point forward, I guess, now. Joel Embiid's a pure center. Love it. Love the fact that the top two players for MVPs are centers. Centers are finally making a comeback as a guy that played power forward center and when, you know, when I do play or when I did play back in, you know, the olden days. Um I just love it. That's that's what I enjoy seeing, for sure. All right. So there's obviously so many great moments from it's been a really fun and enjoyable season. Um, I, I, being a bit of a draft head, really enjoy the little moments with the young guys. You know, Tyrese Maxey, of course, B-Ball Paul. I, I, get a, I get a lot of enjoyment out of their success. Tobias really came to his own this year. We've talked about Matisse. He's, he's on my first team all defense, and he's playing 20 minutes a night. I, I didn't mention this earlier. Matisse has more blocks this season than Joel and more steals than Ben, and he's played way fewer minutes than both. Wow. I did not realize that stat. Okay. Like, he's leading the team in blocks and steals, playing 20 minutes a game off the bench. Matisse has been Imagine really if he had a respectable watch. jumper and we could start him. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, we've talked about Matisse all year on the pod. I, I really loved watching him. But at the end of the day, you know, it, like, Joel just rocks. He, he's been so good this year. He's, uh, I really enjoyed the MVP campaign while I was alive. I, I, and even beyond that, he's just been super fun to watch. Um, he, he's made this season 
really one of the most enjoyable, if not the most enjoyable, since I started covering the team. Uh, which I started covering the team when Ben Simmons was drafted. So that's my time frame. But I I think Joel takes the cake. You know, he's he's everything 29-11 on on ridiculous shooting numbers. And he's just been one heck of a player all year. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of the Sixers Sense Podcast. This one was obviously very special at being the end of another great regular season uh the playoffs are now right around the corner so we'll have some super exciting content coming up in the near future if you are listening on spotify itunes omni wherever leave a comment let us know how we can improve let us know what you want to hear us talk about we will give it a look for sure and just keep tuning in again we will be back later this week Uh, but until then thanks everyone and we'll see you later this week Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.